morning. Um, glad you're here. Welcome to Ridgetop Church. This is uh, service number four, and uh, we are a church plant and um, just getting started. So we're, we're glad that you're here. Um, we've been talking, th- walking through Romans uh, chapter 12, and so if you want to look along in the Bibles there that are on the seat or maybe on your phone, um, that's where I'll be today. And as we have been working our way through the chapter, we first started off talking about the focus that the church is supposed to have, which is Christ, who he is, what he's done, and how that focus then forms us, both as individuals, but also as a community. And part of what happens, not the only thing that happens, but part of what happens to a group of Christians that are focusing on Christ and being formed by him is that they become very unified and yet are able to function in a really diverse way. So they're one in Christ, but they are functioning on a whole lots of different ways. And the way that this passage talks about those different ways uh, is in uh, talking about spiritual gifts. Maybe you've heard of spiritual gifts, maybe you haven't, it's okay. Um, I think Romans 12 is like the perfect place to, to, to start to understand this concept of spiritual gifts. And I think we love this vision of a unified group of people that are all contributing their unique gifts to a mission. I mean, think about some of the stories that we really love, right? Um, superheroes of Infinity War who are all coming together with their superhero powers uh, to overcome uh, Thanos. The elves, dwarves, hobbits, men, and a wizard, right, that are banding together in order to get rid of the ring of power and uh, destroy Sauron. Or the kids from Harry Potter who are coming together, right, to to go against uh, Lord Voldemort. Or the kids of Stranger Things, right, banding together. Uh, bringing all their different little quirky strengths and specialties uh, to save the world from Vecna, right? And what draws us into those stories is not just that there's a team and they're unified, but they have all their like unique little gifts, strengths, quirkiness, and they bring those unique things to the mission. And so today we're going to talk about some of the Christian superpowers that God gives his church. And these are called spiritual gifts. So we want to to think about where the gifts came from, uh, how the gifts are used, uh, what they are. So we'll talk about the definition of these gifts and then the vision of how they can all work together. So if you're taking notes, origination of these gifts, the function of these gifts, the definitions of these gifts, and then the vision of how these gifts work together. So a portion of what McKinsey just read, Romans 12, 6 through 8, Paul writes this, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And so first thing, the origination of these gifts. The very fact that we're calling them gifts means that they've been given 
to us by a giver. I mean, he says having gifts that differ according to the grace, which is just another way of saying free stuff, right? Free gifts that have been given to us by God. This is a very Christian way to talk about our abilities or our strengths. Um, we, in more secular context, would say exactly that. We'd say my strengths, my temperament, right? my personality. Uh, we'd speak of it as it, it's inherent to me, and I own this. Right? This is me. Uh, and it can feel that way experientially, um, but this is not, like we talked about last week, think, don't think of yourself more highly than you ought. Right? Think of yourself with sober judgment. And so sober thinking is God has given me these things, right? If you, if you go back to Romans 12, 3, for by the grace given to me, uh, according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Like these things all come from, from God. Uh, Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 12, verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same spirit who apportions to each one individually as he wills. It's very clear that these gifts are given to us by God. Now, what are we supposed to do with them? Well, we're supposed to use them, right? He says, let us use them. That seems obvious, I know. Um, but this is part of the renewal of our minds in regard to the gifts that God uh, has entrusted to us. That everything we have, the breath in our lungs, the money in our pocket, the gifts that we've been given, all of this has been given to us by God to steward or to manage. And when we steward these gifts well and we manage these gifts well, we're honoring God and we're doing a lot of good in the church and on mission uh, in the world. Think of it this way. If I decide to pay for a very expensive degree for you at the University of Texas. And I say, I'm going to pay for the whole thing. And so some, for some of you, that's you know, the rest of your undergrad. For some of you, I mean, that's a PhD. Like, I'm like, Anse, I know you want a PhD. I'm going to pay for that PhD, 100%. And I just write the check and I send it to the University of Texas. I'm like, hey, this is for Anse's PhD. And Anse writes me a thank you note every week. Thank you so much for, for paying for my, my PhD. He calls me every Sunday morning and says, I just want to thank you. I, I'm, I so appreciate that you paid for my PhD. But he never signs up for a class. He, he doesn't get the degree. Right? That would not honor the giver. That would dishonor the giver if he didn't use the thing that had been given to him to steward. Uh, Jesus tells a parable much like this. And I'm going to read it in its entirety. Uh, it's a very clever parable. And so from Matthew 25, Jesus tells the story of uh, a person with some resources, giving those resources to some of his employees to steward, right? And he says this, For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. To one he gave five talents, that's money, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. And then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them, and he made five talents more. And so also he who has had the two talents made two talents more. 
But he who had received the one talent went and dug in the ground and hid his master's money. Now after a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five talents more, saying, Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also had, who had the two talents, came forward saying, Master, you've delivered to me two talents. Here I have made two talents more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. He also who had received the one talent came forward saying, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, reaping where you did not sow, gathering where you scattered no seed. So I was afraid and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here you have what is yours. But his master answered him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming I should have received what was my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. For to everyone who has will more be given, and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. And cast the worthless servant into the outer darkness. In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Now, what the parable is not about is that God's a big old meanie, okay? But what it is about is about stewardship and how you honor the giver. And so the one with five talents, the one with two, honored the giver by stewarding and managing the gift that had been given. And the one who didn't dishonored the giver. And so we have these gifts given to us by God, and we're being asked to use them, to steward them. So what are these gifts? Well, you can find some gift lists in the Bible in a, a few ways, so, or a few places. So 1 Corinthians 12 is a place that you can find a, a, a list of gifts, uh, Ephesians chapter 4, and then Romans 12. And what you see on these lists is gifts that are overlapping, but they're not all the same exact list. And so I think partly what we can say about these lists is that none of these lists are like an exhaustive list of all of the, the spiritual gifts. Um, but the, the Apostle Paul is like giving here, for example, here, for instance, some of the gifts that God gives uh, the church in, in terms of using uh, those gifts to build up the body of Christ. So let's look at the seven that are mentioned here in Romans 12. And then this Wednesday at 6.30 in this room, we'll go deeper and we'll look at the other lists and we'll have a, a, a more uh, in-depth conversation about these gifts and what, what some of these gifts might be in your own life, okay? So first one, if prophecy in proportion to our faith. Now I want you to notice some of these gifts have a little qualifier hooked onto them. Some don't. Some just say, if you're a teacher, you should teach. But then others say, if it's prophecy, in proportion to your faith. So I think of those with gift of prophecy as kind of a mouthpiece for God. They don't just speak truth. They speak it in a way that's timely. 
It's like they're reading, you know, your email. They're, 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 I was going to say your mail, but you don't get mail. So um, they're, they're, they're reading your social media feed. They, they know uh, your, your, your secret thoughts, or it seems that they do, because the, the words that they're delivering are true, and you can find that truth in the Bible, but the way they're delivering it to you is so timely that it's obvious that it's supernatural. Um, the first place I saw this, I, I was in college. My college pastor, uh, Tom, he had this gifting. And sometimes I would accompany him to like a workshop or a conference, and, and I would help and maybe do some of the presenting. But this happened so many times. After we, we would do the little workshop or the Bible study or whatever we were doing, he would be having conversations with students after the fact, and he had no idea who these people were. He had never met them before. And he would start hearing their story, and he would say, okay, this is, this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing this. And then the student would be, like, weeping. Like, how did you know that? No one knows that. I haven't said that to anyone. <laughs> and I'm like, ah, that's a gift, right? That's a gift. And so, and so this, like, speaking truth but doing so in a timely way. Usually the truth is in, a, like, one of two categories. It's either confrontation of sin or it's like this casting of vision of what God wants to do in a person's life. You see this in the Old Testament prophets? They're like good news and bad news. The bad news is you're judged, you're a sinner. The good news is God has this wonderful vision for you if you would only repent and start moving toward his, his vision. And so the gift of prophecy is somewhat like that. Um, it's not like, thus saith the Lord, I'm now writing a new, you know, writing new scripture. Like in the Old Testament, Jeremiah is writing scripture, right? This is not the New Testament gift of prophecy. But it is similar in that it's oftentimes calling out sin or casting vision um, for what God wants to do. The qualifier is in proportion to our faith or uh, probably probably better uh, translate his, his faith or her faith. Um, verbally gifted people, okay? So this is a verbal gift they have the tendency to let their mouth get out in front of their life. They don't have necessarily the credibility to back up what they're saying. I was talking to a student at a seminary, so a seminary is a place where uh, you train for ministry and there's a lot of pastors being trained in this particular seminary. And I was talking to this student that's there and she said, I'm so sick of seminary guys shooting off their mouths about stuff they don't know. And I said, I said to her, I said, they're verbally gifted, right? That's partly why they're in the ministry, and they're, they're trying to, to get trained. They just don't have the experience yet to have the credibility to say those things, right? This is a little warning in this passage right here. To say, oh, verbally gifted person, be careful that you don't let your mouth get out in front of your faith, your experience, because it undermines your credibility, and then people don't want to hear you. And so it's a, it's a little bit of a warning. So the next one, if service in our serving. Um, this is probably the, one of the most straightforward, right? Uh, a, a person with a gift of service sees needs and meets the needs. They see the need and they meet the need. Um, often these are tangible needs, concrete needs. Um, and so one of the things about these gifts is that every Christian is to be expressing these gifts at some level, right? 
Like, we're all supposed to be speaking uh, truth on behalf of God, and hopefully in a timely way to whoever we're speaking to. Um, but also, we're supposed to be serving. Every Christian should be a servant. We should be seeing needs and meeting needs. What Paul is saying here is that even though there's sort of like a baseline of, of the experience of these kinds of things, there's also a gifting that people have in particular ones of these, right? And so this is one of those where uh, a, a person who has the gift of service, uh, I don't know, they walk in a room and they just start looking around and they say, oh, that needs to get done and that needs to get done and that needs to get done. And they go do it. They don't tell someone else to do it. Right? They don't go, okay, now you and you, and they don't organize a posse of people to do the thing. They just go do it. Right? And this is a gifting. It's a gifting. It's a beautiful gifting. Um, they enjoy working behind the scenes. They're not looking to be up front. They're not looking for uh, any kind of uh, accolades. Uh, one of the, the, the people in my life that has been a servant uh, is a woman named Lois who uh, was in our youth group when I was a youth pastor. Then she came to help us with the church plant in Massachusetts. And partly she came was to help me with the details. <laughs> because I can get a vision for something, an idea for something, and I can think about like big picture but when it comes to some of the minute details, I'm just like, I need some help, right? And, and she could cover those bases. And she worked with us for, you know, 20 plus years and, and was doing logistics um, and loving it and loving it. And, and oftentimes we'd have these conversations where we go, Lois, you should get some other people to help you with this. And she'd be like, ah, ah I, I think I'd do it myself, you know? And it, it's partly, it's, it's, it's a bent. It's a, it's a, it's a gifting, right? And so there's no qualifier here, but I would throw in a couple of, of, of qualifiers. Uh, one is that one that I just mentioned, uh, getting other people involved in getting the details done. Uh, there's, there's something beautiful about everyone getting on the team and being a part of, of getting things done. And oftentimes those with the gift of service are like, no, I'll just do it myself. And, uh, and, and it, it'll be done right, right? Um, Another is just not getting bitter because other people don't see the needs and aren't meeting them, right? And you're like, what is your problem? Why are you talking to all these people when you should be setting up the chairs? Don't you see the chairs need to get set up, right? And so you can get kind of bent on, oh, these, these details that I see that they don't see, and why aren't they doing it? And it can become uh, a cause for bitterness. Um, the next one, the one who teaches in his teaching. Teacher makes truth understandable, right? You have truth in the Bible, uh, in a, you know, thousands of years old, and trying to get that over to the rest of the, of the church, and the teacher knows how to go from this thousands of old year old truth and make it understandable uh, to people in 2022. And they will explain, and they will illustrate, and they will explain more, and they will illustrate more until they feel like people get it. And so this is the gift of teaching. Uh, the, some of the first teachers I had in my life in the church uh, were Tom, the guy that I spoke of earlier, and his friend Joe, both of which worked with the college students at the church work that I went to when I was at UT. And they were very different people, and their teaching style was very different. Um, but they both taught me some really important things. And so Tom was more on the creative side. He could open up a narrative and a story, and, and that was so helpful for me in terms of understanding the Bible, especially the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Um, but Joe was more technical, and he would walk in with, a, with a, a, a document, you know, and it would be like an outline, and it would have details, and 
I needed that too. And so it was interesting how those two men were both teachers, but they were very different and both helping me to grow uh, as they taught. No qualifier here, but I, I would add um, teachers have to be careful that don't, they don't get more excited about the truth that they're teaching than they are about loving the people that they're teaching. Uh, if you've been in a college class, you may have bumped up you know, against some professors like this, right? Very excited about their lecture materials. And then you go try to have a conversation with them, and they just glaze over. And they're like, I, I don't want to talk to you. you know? that, that is not Christian teaching, right? Not lecturers. Christian teachers are loving, and they want to speak truth, yes, and they want to speak that truth in love. Uh, the next one, the one who exhorts in his, his or her exhortation, uh, another verbal gift, just like teaching's verbal gift. Um, and this one's a little different than prophecy or teaching. Uh, it is verbally communicating truth, but for the sake of helping people move forward. It's the best way I, I could describe it. Uh, it's like a coach, like a spiritual coach. Like, you're here, I can see you being here. I'm going to say what I need to say to help you move forward. Sometimes that's correction. Sometimes that's uh, encouragement. But it's, it's always going to feel very relational. And it's going to feel good for the most part. So we put the gift of exhortation or encouragement. Um, they're very positive. They're, they're very encouraging. And they speak truth very relationally to help people move forward. Uh, one of the people in my own life that was so important for this was a guy named Martin Burry, and Martin was part of our church in Massachusetts, and uh, every time I hung out with Martin, he would encourage me, and he would say, man, this is what, this is going so well, you're doing a good job at this, it was very specific, um, and what caused me to, to realize this really was a gift in him is that a lot of the time that he was encouraging me, he would be in a really tough place personally. And so he went through a, a, a breakup of his marriage that was because of an affair and just went through a ton of pain. And even though he was in pain, we'd get together and he'd encourage me. <laughs> I'm like, that's a gift. That's, a, that's supernatural, right? Um, and one of the, the, the qualifiers I'd add to, to this one is um, that sometimes you don't get the encouragement that you need because you're the, you're the encourager, <laughs> And so you have a hard time receiving encouragement for yourself. Um, you can also be really good at cutting people down because you have this gift to know where the people's buttons are. And God has given you that gift not to cut them down, but to build them up. But you can use that information uh, in some, some negative ways. So there's, as you can see, there's like strength, but then there's like dark side of each one. Partly I'm saying that so that you can go, ah, yeah, that's me, or no, that's not me, uh, as you are reflecting on these strengths, but also the dark side of some of these gifts. Um, the next one, the one who contributes in generosity. So sometimes this is called the spiritual gift of giving. And the person with this gift uh, has a great deal of faith that God is a generous giver. And that whatever God gives them, they can quickly give it away because God's going to give them more. So they really see themselves as a, as a conduit. And so they're like, well, if 
God gave me this, he must have given it to me to give away. Um, and the, the, one of the first people I saw this gifting in was a, a guy named Dan. And uh, Dan, well, he had a, a, just a huge heart for both the teens that we were working with in our church, but then also for the homeless. And so Dan would drop by the homeless uh, soup kitchen down in downtown Austin every day at lunchtime. That was his, that was his lunch hour. And I was down there some with him, and I would, one day was standing next to him, and we were looking out just over about probably 100 homeless that were having lunch. And uh, I noticed there were these three red coats that were being worn by the homeless, and I looked a little closer, and the coat said Dan Hall Securities, which was his company. And I said, Dan, what, why are these homeless guys wearing your Dan Hall Securities coats? And he said, oh, well... I meet these guys on the street, they don't have a coat, and they're cold, so I just take my coat off, and I give my coat to them. And I'm like, you did that three times? He's like, well, I've probably done it more. <laughs> and over and over in that way, like, he, he ha always had, like, a really nice, like, um, multiplier Gerber tool that, and it was probably, like, 50 bucks, and that was a lot of money back in, the, you know, the 90s, um, and... I don't know how many times I saw somebody say, that is a really amazing tool. And he'd say, here, take it. <laughs> Same thing. Just giving, right? And, and trusting God was going to um, sup uh, supply the next Gerber tool or the next coat or whatever it was uh, that he needed. Notice that the qualifier is it's in generosity. And I think this is a warning to the giver that they need to give with no strings attached. That doesn't mean you don't be responsible and wise about your giving. You should, but it shouldn't have strings attached because one of the things that can happen when you give money is you then have power. And so if, you, if you're giving money to an individual, suddenly you, you, you have some power that you could leverage over them, or you give money to a church or an organization, suddenly you have power. And I think Paul gives this little... This, this little qualifier to say, don't do that, don't do that. You are being entrusted with resources by God, and then give those resources away, no strings attached. And you, you may be thinking, well, I don't have any resources, so you know, obviously I don't have the gift of giving because I'm not rich. Um, but I think some of the most beautiful generosity I've ever seen is folks that don't have a lot of resources. The, the gift can, can be used. I don't care if you're um, in, in dire straits, poverty, or you've got a lot of resources and everything in between. Um, it's a beautiful thing when, when the generous God is being reflected by the generous giver. And it doesn't, it doesn't mean you have a lot or a little. It's, it's, it's more about just the giving. The next one, the one who leads with zeal. Um, this gift is oftentimes called the gift of administration. We think of leadership as more the big picture vision person. This is more of an organizer and a mobilizer, right? An organizer and a mobilizer. They're not just the evil genius that's good at spreadsheets and checklists. They see gifts in other people and they love to call those gifts out of them and into a team to accomplish uh, a mission. They can handle themselves up front, but mostly for the purpose 
of mobilizing people in the church. Um, folks like this, their happiest moment is when they've organized and they've recruited people to the vision and they've kind of sent them out to do their thing and then they're sitting in the back just watching it all happen. And th this, is, this is their greatest joy, is to see everyone else being able to use their gifting. Uh, one of the first people I was around with this gift was a guy named Brian Hall. And some of you even know Brian Hall. He was a youth pastor at Woodlawn Baptist Church in South Austin forever. I mean forever. Um, and he actually just retired. But he uh, would oversee a lot of these big events in the city for teenagers. And one of those was Mania Marathon. And so it was the New Year's Eve event for all the churches, all the Baptist churches in the city. And 2,000 teenagers would come to this event. And so they, they would, would come to a church, and we'd have a speaker, and then they would leave the church, and there would be enough pizza for 2,000 teenagers and their chaperones ready to go hot in the parking lot. And they would grab the pizza, and they would eat in the parking lot, and then they would all be transported across the city into the North Cross Mall where they were doing movies and ice skating, and there was a bowling alley that they were transported to on a bus. And it was like all these moving parts, all of which were overseen by Brian Hall. And I just remember walking through the North Cross Mall, and Brian's coming down the, the corridor there, the, there with a couple of like middle school kids, and he's just laughing and having a great time and, and just chill. I, I'm like, how do you do this? He's like, oh, all that work's been done already. It's, it's all running <laughs> flawlessly. And it, that's a gift. That's a gift. I can tell you, if I was overseeing that, I, I would have been out of my mind. Um, now, notice it. It says, with zeal. That's the qualifier here. Um, I think that's an exhortation to take it to the finish line. When you're organizing, mobilizing, if, if, if you do have a, a real attention to detail, sometimes the the details will bog you down, and you won't be able to, to execute. You'll be tempted to just be sort of paralyzed by the details, in part because you can't make it perfect, right? Every plan just starts to unravel at some level, and the person with the gift of administration is like, oh, my gosh, that was supposed to be perfect, right? And it, and it can cause you uh, to, to really uh, lose your zeal. And so there's an exhortation there, don't lose your zeal, like, take it to the finish line, uh, even though it may be unraveling a bit. And then the, this, the last one here, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Right? Acts of mercy with cheerfulness. Um, mercy, probably we would use the word empathy. right? Not sympathy, where I see that you have, you know, you, you, you're sad, and I, I feel sorry for you, but instead empathy where I'm actually entering into the feeling that you're feeling. Right? And so whatever you're feeling, I'm mirroring that in my own self. Um, later in the chapter, Paul will say this, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep. That's a great description of mercy. These are the kind of people you want to be with when you uh, want to celebrate, right? Because they, they, they mirror your joy, and it feels so good, right? It's so encouraging. These are also the people you want to be with when you feel really down and sad. Because they mirror your sadness, and they enter into it with you. It's a beautiful, beautiful gift. 
I was talking to uh, someone at the, at the Baptist Student Ministries who uh, is just getting his feet wet in ministry, and uh, I said, how are you doing? And he's like, I'm having a rough week. Like, what? Why? What's going on? He's like, I've just had some really hard conversations with people who are struggling with some really hard things. And, and, and it's just causing me to, to feel so heavy. <laughs> and I was like, dude, I think you have the gift of mercy. <laughs> right? I, he, he was feeling the weight of all the things that people were going through that he had heard and that, and that he had listened to and prayed through with these, with these college students. Um, and so the qualifier here is you do this with cheerfulness. <laughs> and so I think part of what Paul's getting to is, is don't take the pain in so deeply that it crushes you. Right? You need to, yes, identify with the pain and, and, and allow that to mirror with the person, but then give it to Jesus. Right? Jesus is the one who can carry the weight. You can't carry the weight. You're not the savior of the person that you're expressing mercy to. Jesus is the savior of the person that you're expressing mercy to in his name. Um, and so I think he, he's saying you, you still do this in the joy of knowing Christ and pointing people to uh, Christ. So one way to, again, think about these seven gifts is that they are in a lot of ways some Christian basics. Right? That yes, we are to be speaking uh, truth on behalf of God, like the prophet. We're to be seeing needs and meeting those needs, like the servant. We are to be making truth understandable, like the teacher. We, we are to be uh, encouraging, building up people, helping them move forward, like the one with the gift of exhortation. We are to be giving generously with no strings attached, like the giver. We, we are to be uh, organizing and mobilizing at some level. We've all got a little something that we're working on uh, in terms of organization and mobilization, like the one who has the gift uh, of leadership. And yes, we are to be entering into pain and the joys of people's lives and mirroring that uh, to, to encourage them. Um, but at the same time, you're going to have some of these at a level that is a particular gifting. And, and I, I think people can have more than one. And then that creates an interesting little conversation because then you have a gift mix, right? And if you're a teacher with mercy, that's going to shape the way you teach. If you're a teacher with exhortation, that's going to... So it's, there, there, there's ways in which these gifts kind of play on each other. And we'll talk more about that on Wednesday night. But the vision of this is, is that we wouldn't become focused on the gifts, but we would still maintain our focus on Christ. And that as, as we as a body are one in our focus on Christ, then we can properly exercise the gifts. This is a different way of thinking oftentimes than outside the church. It's, it's, it's not, oh, who am I and how can I develop my strengths? And it's, no, I am focused on Christ. What is Christ? This is his church. What is he doing? What does he want to do? How, how does, does, does the gifting he's given me play into what he wants to do? How does the gifting of my brother and my sister, how, how does that fit into 
this team that is focused on Christ. And what it, what it does, this, this, this focusing on who Jesus is, what he's done, it frees us up to step up when we need to and exercise our gifts, or to step back when we need to and let others exercise their gifts. And again, this requires this focus on Jesus and not on ourselves. Because the minute we focus on ourselves, we're like, I'm not getting enough airtime or I'm not being recognized enough, right? Or uh, I am being recognized and now I am feeling pride because I am being recognized. And so it it totally causes the gifts to, to, to malfunction when the focus becomes us and it becomes the gifts. Um, and we are all a work in progress. <laughs> because as you enter into this uh, exercise of your gifts, there's, there's going to be all those kinds of thoughts and struggles within you, right? There, there's going to be moments where you're like, I'm not getting enough recognition. And there's going to be other moments when you're like, I'm being recognized. Oh my gosh, look at me, I'm amazing. And you're going to have to gospel yourself. You're going to have to, no, focus on Christ. Who is he? What has he done? What is his vision for this body? How do I participate in that? And there's a freedom in that that, 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 that comes about because of what Christ has done and his work in us in the spirit. So some ways to respond to this. Some of these are, are similar to last week, but um, we're going to kind of circle back around to some of these thoughts again and again. So one is, you may not have received the most important gift, which is Jesus. <laughs> You've not yet received what Christ has done for you to forgive you of your sins and to even bring you into a relationship with God and with brothers and sisters in Christ. Right? Because this is, this is the most important gift. Is Jesus, what he's done for us at the cross. And so if you've not yet done that, I would encourage you to, to, to talk to me about it, to, to maybe talk to someone in the room. Um, like this is the first and most important step. And then this is sort of the gateway into how you participate in uh, the, the, the church, which is Christ's body. Another response, I think, is, is to use your gifts. Use your gifts. Some of you are aware of some of your giftings. Even as I've talked through these seven, you're like, oh, yeah, that's me. Yeah, I see needs and meet them. Oh, yep, no, organization. I can't stand it when things aren't organized, and I can just see how it could be worked so much better. Those are giftings, right? And, and so maybe that the, the call to you this morning is step up and be a part of using those gifts for the body. Others, it may be, discover those gifts. You don't even know what those gifts are yet. You're thinking, I don't know. I don't know myself yet. I, don't. I mean, this is one of the things for me in, in college, like the first time I ever heard about spiritual gifts. I was a college student, and I, it, it, it just sort of opened up a whole world for me to go, oh, wow, we all are different, and we have gifts, and what are, what are mine? I don't know. How do they fit with the rest of the body? Right? And so maybe, the, maybe the, the, the call to you this morning is, uh, to, to discover, or a little combination of both, right? Use and discover, probably, for most of us. Um, and as I said before, we'll, we'll have a second round of conversation uh, on Wednesday to talk more about spiritual gifts. 
And then the fourth thing is to join yourself to a local body of Christ. Like, where do you think you work out these gifts? You work them out in the body of Christ. And so if that's not Ridgetop Church, maybe somewhere else, but somewhere, right? Link your life to a church and say, hey, I'm going I'm to bring my gifts. I'm going to serve. I'm going to figure this thing out and be a part of the vision that Christ has, and not just for myself, but what he has for uh, the church uh, in a local setting. Because God is writing a story at Ridgetop Church. He is taking a band of unique people that all have strengths, that all have gifts, and he's joining them together on a mission. And that mission has way more higher stakes than you know, stranger things. <laughs> it's, it has eternal implications for the people of Austin, Texas, the campuses here, even the nations of the world. That, that's how big this mission is that God has joined us together to participate in. So let's pray. God, thank you for being so generous. You are a loving Father. You know how to give good gifts to your children. And that's everything from the breath in our lungs to the money in our pockets to these spiritual gifts that you've given each one of us. And so I, I pray that you would help us, help us understand and discover what our giftings are. That the Holy Spirit who has given these gifts would also give us insight into how to employ these gifts and how to do that in a body of imperfect people who are all a work in progress who we're all growing and we're all learning more and more what it means to be a Christ follower and to be gifted by your spirit and so help us Lord to to band together in unity in the gospel, but also in a diverse functionality of gifts that are all bringing their unique thing to the table. And this, this would be a beautiful witness to how good you are, God. What a loving father you are. How much you've poured out in the lives of, of your sons and daughters. And so I do, I pray you would raise up teachers in this room, I pray you would raise up those with the gifts of mercy, those with the gifts of prophecy, those with the gifts of, of administration, those with the, all, all these gifts that we just talked about and more. That there would just be a proliferation of, of gifts being expressed in this place for your glory, God, and for the good of this body, but also for the men and women and children in Austin, Texas. Only you can do that, God. <laughs> no amount of planning or visioning or hoping is going to pull that off. You will have to come and do that. So we pray you would, in the power of your spirit, even this morning, as we sort of put our toe in the water in regards to spiritual gifts, Lord, help us to understand how to do this together. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.